Hey there, guys. I'm John Sherburn, and this is my podcast, Nightcap, the podcast where I talk to you about topics, concerns, interests, the things that are occurring in my everyday life. So before I get into things, I want to just talk to you guys really quick about the show. Uh, yeah, it's it's been good. We're going good so far. I'm getting a good amount of listens, some, some nice feedback from people, and I'm honestly just having a very nice time doing this. This is something I really enjoy, something I really enjoy doing, and it's really nice to hear that there are people that enjoy me doing it as well. So I want to say thank you to everybody that is out there listening every week, listening every episode. Uh, you guys are what make me do this. Um, again, if you have any feedback, questions, concerns, comments, tales, uh, you know, things, just if, if y'all want to talk, you can find me at JD underscore Sherber. That is JD underscore S-H-E-R-B-U-R-N-E. Um, I'm getting that Instagram up for the podcast still. Not quite happening yet. Um, when I get some art that I'm looking for, I will be able to, uh, you know, uh, make some teasers, trailers, reasons to have stuff on. I also have to get some lights at some point. Want to do that? I'll maybe get a video up, get a YouTube going perhaps. Um, so that's kind of the update. Until then, I'm just going to be talking on this thing like I usually do. Um, so without further ado, we'll get into the episode. This is the Nightcap. Podcast. Every day, you spend majority of your time talking to people. Unless you're sitting in your house, in your room, by yourself, it's almost impossible to get away with not having a conversation. And even nowadays, people that do sit by themselves in their room with nobody else frequently use the internet. You're on forums, you're on Reddit, you're on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. So for most people, every day, we're having conversations, all day long. Um, and some of these conversations are agreeable conversations where you agree about something, you, you have the same kind of opinions, thoughts, uh, and, and those conversations are very easy conversations to have. Um, but there are a lot of conversations that are a lot more difficult to have, a lot harder for people to do, uh, especially in today's climate. And so I want to talk to you guys today about how to converse with ethical issues in mind effectively. Uh, and this is something I struggle with too. So this is me going to be exploring this topic with y'all because I, I, you know, this is something that most people struggle with, especially in today's day and age. We're very politically driven. A lot of people have a lot of opinions on social, economic, political, socioeconomical, political things. So it's really important to have these conversations well and to have these conversations with good in mind. Um, I think a big issue people have is we don't think about why we have these conversations. And I'm going to get into it more in a bit, but some general stuff for the beginning. In today's day and age, it's really easy for people to want to be right. Um, and we have to think about what right means, right? What, 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 what's the outcome you want out of a conversation? If the answer is, I want them to say, you're right, I, I was wrong, you're smarter than I am, then sure, sure, fight people, push them hard and try to get your point across. But if you're trying to have a dialogue and learn something and maybe teach something, it's more important the, the type of communication you're going to have. You have to have positive, encouraging, and open conversation. And that's the biggest issue I see today. And I'm going to get into it. But first, I want to talk a little bit about some examples, some good societal examples. Um, ooh, also, before I forget, later in the podcast, we're going to be trying something new. Uh, my friend, colleague, and... I don't know, general acquaintance 
is going to be joining us for the show for just a quick little talk about this stuff. I want to see how interviewing goes. I want to see how it works. I want to see how having a guest on will affect stuff. If I like it or if it seems all right, I'm going to have a couple more people on probably. I have a few different episodes I just slated out with people. Um, and next week, I want, the next one I'm going to do is going to be based around a film. Um, so, yeah, uh, back into it, sorry. Uh, when it comes to ethical issues, there are a lot to go off of. Um, there's a lot of mixed... Each t- There's different types of ethical issues, different types of ethical conversations. Um, some of them are really easy to solve because there's objective truths you can use. Other ones are not that difficult to solve because there is a solution to them that eventually will come out and become true. And then there are ones that are purely ideological and maybe in 300 years when we've agreed upon it or something, it's fine. But for now, it's a very difficult issue to deal with. How do we deal with X, Y, Z? And this is something that humans have faced for all of eternity. Um, So a good example of something that's a fixable ethical issue Stem cells. Stem cells were all the rage, all the conversation in the late 90s into the early 2000s. Um, stem cells, to, in a nutshell, and again, I'm not that versed in this. I'm, I, I might be speaking out my ass here. I apologize if we have any stem cell enthusiasts. But stem cells are cells that exist in the human body that have the ability, the ability to create different types of cells. Um, the cells in the human body are... Like are, are specialized. So we have liver cells that exist to create more liver cells and to create a liver. Um, we have eyeball cells. And, and so every part of our body has cells that are specialized. Um, stem cells aren't specialized. And in adults, there's a smaller pool of them that you can use, and they're not as effective um, to keep it in layman's terms. This is a general podcast. Uh, so there's uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's difficult to use adult stem cells adequately and accurately. Um, but... Embryonic cells are extremely versatile, extremely easy to use, and extremely good to use. They're they're very helpful, and they and and they create a lot of really good science. They've helped us cure a lot of of issues and diseases, uh, things like Parkinson's stuff like that. Degenerative diseases, stem cells can help a lot because in a degenerative disease you're losing cells, but if you can fix those cells and you can replace those cells, it'll help. The problem with embryonic stem cells is because they come from little babies. Um, they come from uh, fertilized eggs. Uh, they, they come from like em- em- embryonic stage development children, people in the womb, kids in the womb. Um, and a lot of times they won't, uh, they're not going to be sticking needles into some mom's stomach or something. But what they do is they're going to kind of grow the beginning stages of life in like a petri dish or something like that. Um, and, and, and this caused a lot of concern when it first came out because there was, there's the argument and the same as abortion. Um, and ironically, the abortion is another type of ethical conversation, but it's the same kind of question of, is it a life? Is it not a life? People are saying, well, that, that embryonic dish that you have there could become a, a baby. You know, we could make that a kid. So why not make it one? Um, and, and, and so there's this like discussion back and forth who would be doing this, whatever, whatever. And it was a very difficult discussion to have for a lot of people um, because there's a lot of people that feel very passionately. And the issue with passion is that a lot of people who feel passionately don't necessarily understand the science behind it enough to have the passionate opinion they have. For stem cells, a lot of scientists that were doing stem cell research were only using cells that are pretty much going to be thrown away. Um, I, I can't think of why, but they, they, you know, they used to, they have to kind of hold these cells anyways, right? Like if you went to a, I believe this is like my, me speaking out my ass. I did the research for this a little while ago, but they, they have like sperm banks, whatever it is, you know, they, they, they take these, 
they have them, but after a certain amount of time, you have to throw that away. So they would, a lot of times, they'd only use these cells and these, like, like the sperm or the eggs or whatever, they'd only use cells that were about to be destroyed. So they were going to do nothing anyways. And so I can't think of the guy's name, but one of the scientists I was, I was looking at and researching, um, he was talking about, to him, you know, he's a Christian and a scientist, and it was a big dilemma for him because he believes in life, but he also believes in science, and so it's difficult for him to toe the line. But the way he said it was, these are all cells that are going to be thrown away. These are all potential lives that are going to be extinguished. So instead of just letting them be extinguished, I'm going to fix something, get something positive of it. And I, and I, I really do sign on to that belief. I think the way about everything, make something good of whatever you can, especially like if you think like, okay, if I die, right, I, I think it's stupid. <laughs> I personally wouldn't uh, want my body to be buried, like, as is. I don't need the organs. I don't need any of that stuff. So skin me up. Give me to people. Give my eyes to some kid. Give my liver to some old dude. Give my body away. Even if it's just a science, screw it. Uh, I'm not going to use it. So there's no use sitting it in the ground and it rot for no reason. Uh, and not doing any good for people. And you, if you haven't seen them, go look it up. They have the really cute, they have the cutest, like, They'll send, especially for, like, kids, um, if, if a child dies, they'll send, like, a paper that says, here's what, pretty much the roadmap of what happened. Like, um, it's really unfortunate that your son died, but here is what happened to him. Here is where his body went to and who he helped. And it's really important. And so I think it's good to do stuff like that. But back to the off-tangent, um, stem cells were a big conversation. And this, is, it, this was a tough conversation, one that people couldn't really find a way to converse about. And we're going to talk about why people can't in a little while. But the good thing about this is that some of these issues are scientific issues that will be fixed eventually. And they have been. There's a new thing that recently won, a couple of years ago now, a Nobel Prize, a man who figured out reprogramming. And reprogramming is a cutting-edge part of stem cell research. It takes a fully matured cell and turns it back into an embryonic cell, which is crazy. Because on the one hand, it's going to be, um, it's going to evade these ethical concerns. Because instead of taking some potential baby cell, you could take one of your cells and make that into an embryonic cell, which cuts around that issue, which is really great and kind of nullified the problem. Additionally, if you're in a science mindset at all, the other thing this will do, obviously, is it's going to make it non-foreign body. You're not going to have to worry about having cell rejection because bodies sit there and say, that's not my cells. This is bad. Let's attack it. But if you, So that's what some of the issue is with like uh, uh, implants and shit. But theoretically, you know, if you, if you put in, uh, made this a stem cell, it, it's your cells. So your body's not going to recognize it as foreign. And theoretically, if you used those stem cells to say, grow yourself a liver, because if they take some of your liver cells, they could probably grow a liver nowadays. Again, I apologize if I'm dumbass, but like, you know, they could probably grow something like a liver. And so, boom, there you go. You have a liver, liver transplant without having to worry about the negative repercussions. And so sometimes if you wait long enough on some of these topics, they'll fix themselves. And those are the really nice ones because, you know, the ability to use these non-embryonic cells can transform how we, how we view this ethical dilemma. But sometimes... Ethical dilemmas are not easily solved. Let's talk about veganism. Veganism to vegans is a good quote I saw. was It's not a diet, but an idea. Um, which I really like. And this isn't for everybody. Obviously, everything I'm going to say here is not indicative of how everybody treats veganism. Um, some people will treat it this way. Some people treat it other ways. But the idea is you're going to minimize your footprint and respect all life. And so... You have this 
idea of veganism that's been ostracized for some reason by the general community. A lot of people hate vegans. A lot of people hate vegetarians. I went vegetarian for about a year, and I got so much crap for it, right? Like, it was really funny, even the amount of people, like, I would be minding my own business, and someone would be like, you're, veg- you're vegetarian, right? And I'd say, yeah, I am a vegetarian. And they'd go, they'd make some joke about vegetarians, like, pushing their ideas or, like, being weird or whatever. I'm just minding my own business here. It's not like I'm walking around saying, are you eating meat? Because if you are, you're going to die young. Like, I'm just, you know, minding my own business here. But people, I had an overwhelming amount of people give me shit about it. And it's not a huge deal to me, but, like, at the same time, you think about it, like, what's the point of that? Why are you doing that? Like, it's just me living my life the way I want to live it as long as it's not negatively impacting you or my health. Who cares? Um, And so it was really strange to me hearing some, like, my family members, my friends, and people I knew just, like, give me shit just for eating differently than they ate. Um, it's not like I was against animal killing and stuff like that. Like, I grew up, you know, uh, hunting is a thing. I understand that. I like I, was, I ate meat my whole life, so it's not like I had some, like, kill all meat eaters vibe or something like that. And it was, it was very, that was very strange for me, but it kind of opened my eyes to this issue where, like, so many people have an opinion where, like, you have a lot of the population saying, you know, like, fuck vegans. And it throws me off really hard because why would you say that about somebody? Why would you think that off the bat? Like, maybe fuck this vegan because this vegan is, you know, like, th- taking all the meat in a like tops and throwing it away or something like that. Okay, fine. Cool. That's kind of shitty. But like a regular old dude or chick just doing their own thing, like don't don't get in the way of that. But the conversation about veganism is tough to have because we have and this is where I'm kind of going to introduce the, the the main theme for this episode. It's impossible for the population to talk about veganism because the population has fundamental differences in the way it views the issues that create veganism. So it's hard for us to talk about if veganism or partial vegetarianism or using alternatives to meat and stuff, it's impossible for us to talk about that in society because everyone's coming to the table with different opinions on what being a vegan means. Um, you have vegans that are some of some vegans come to the table saying, "I just want to respect all life. I understand the necessi- ne- I understand the necessity, maybe to kill, but we need to do it on a smaller scale, and we need to try to do this in a better way. And we are too focused on meat. Like everyone tries to eat it every meal. You don't need that much meat in your diet. You just want it. And you know the idea of wants versus needs, and how okay, just because you want to eat red meat every day doesn't mean you should, and there's better ways to do it. Blah blah blah. blah. That's an argument. There's another argument. There's other veg- vegans, vegetarians saying, fuck all meat eaters. They're terrible. You should never kill an animal ever. You also have non-vegetarians saying, I just don't get it. It's my body. It's my mouth. I can eat what I like. I don't I don't think animals, uh, you know, you have a lot of things. Even just the uh, argument about, you know, are animals semi-sentient? Do they have, can they have, should they have rights? That argument itself isn't an argument we can understand. Um... You know, are the alternatives to meat worth it? Are they good? Are they taste good? Uh, is taste more important than helping the environment? How much does it actually help the environment? I mean, everyone's coming to this table with a bunch of different notions. And then as a result, you get to the table and everyone's talking about veganism like they're on the same page because it's very easy for you to sit there and say, oh, you know, you know, I think this way. So everyone must think this way. And, and, and I'm going to talk more about veganism, I guess, before I get into this, because I'm going to pull this back in a second. Um, That's just the first taste of my issue with how ethical conversations go. If you look at veganism, 
the issue I have with it is because a lot of people write it off, um, and I understand it, like they're writing it off, but at the same time, there's some very real concerns, and there's some very real solutions we can get from switching over from meat as much, even if you're just talking about things like greenhouse gas, carbon emissions, um, the amount of land we use for farming, like just if, if you look at all that stuff, shifting society partially into more of a plant-based or alternative-based situation would be very good for our environment in a very easy way that's very impactful and efficient. But most people won't get to that point. And so here's what I want to pull back a little bit and talk about the general concern I have, the general issue I have for this episode. I want to talk about what I call the valley that exists during arguments. Um, in argumentation, two people say, to make it easy, two people walk up to each other and start to talk about a topic. And the problem is we assume that everyone has the same opinions about that topic. And we assume that everyone comes with the same background knowledge. Subconsciously, we're going to go up there and say, I want to talk about abortion. But you don't want to talk about just abortion because you're coming to the table with a hundred preconceived notions about the topic. You think that, you know, Starting from when the egg fertil is fertilized by the sperm, it's life, it's a child. You think that it's murder to kill that child. You think that the rights of a baby trump the rights of a mother. You think that blah, 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 blah. But someone else might come to the same conversation with the opposite background information. And, and, and this isn't even like info, like facts you can have. This is your ethical stance on the issue. And the problem with that is when you have a different ethical stance on the issue, but you treat it like an argument where you have the same stance, it becomes a very toxic argument. Because at this point, you can't come to a conclusion. Because when I say I agree with abortion, I'm not just saying I agree with abortion. I'm saying I agree that parents' rights trump the child. I agree that a baby's not a baby until it's born. I agree that blah, 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 blah. You're coming with a bag full of things you think as opposed to having a similar base and then disagreeing on the motives. If you have a similar base, it's really easy to have a conversation. And if you notice, that's why hive minding works so well. If you look at a place like Facebook, you have people in your circle. And so you're all going to come with the same background information. You're all going to come with the same opinions on things. Oh, black people from the inner city are all gangbangers. Oh, they all murder people and don't go to school. Their parents are on welfare. You're coming with these notions, and those notions are very inconsistent with the truth. But the problem is all, not even the problem, the situation is all of you in your group come with those same opinions, whether they're founded or educated or not. And so as a result, you have this, you know, you can talk to your f people you agree with really easily. But if you want to actually have a conversation about something with someone you disagree with, it takes hours to break it all down. And I found out that from the facts. My friend uh, AJ, uh, me and my friend AJ used to, we'd spar. He'd come over at like 2 and we would do this till like 7 at night. We would just walk around my kitchen talking about a topic. A, a good one we talked about was uh, gun rights, which is another really good ethical issue, right? Uh, and, and we're opposites on this opinion. So it takes us forever to unpack it because we're talking about, I mean, we're talking about gun rights, but we're coming, like, he thinks that, oh, police guns should have fingerprint sensors that you have to press with your fingerprint to fire. He thinks, oh, you know, all, all these different opinions that are 
in some ways very radical, in some ways very sensible, etc. And I come with the same, you know, the same level of opinions, just completely opposite. I come from a background, oh, I used to go shooting all the time, and oh, I've spent a lot of time around a lot of different guns, and, 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 and oh, these are the facts that I know. I know that this percent of the, you know, docks don't get checked to their cargo. You know, you have all these different things that you come to the table with, and it's really hard to then unpack them. So if you want to actually have a conversation, it takes hours. But the problem compounding with everything else is people don't want to spend that much time because the mindset we have. So on top of this issue of this valley, which I'll get into, the reason I could say a valley is because we, we approach arguments like everyone's walking on a flat ground. We're all walking in the same ground and we have the same thing. But if in reality, we are coming on two different mountains or hills, say, right? Uh, I'm on hill one, you're on hill two, and in between us there's this valley. And this valley is where the issue is created, right? There's this valley of information because we both come with different levels of, of how much we know and what we think and beliefs and childhood things. We come with different things. And, and, and at the bottom of that valley is the topic. But built upon that are all our different experiences of what we've dealt with, you know? An abortion, oh yeah, well I, my friend got an abortion and she beats stuff up about it all the time. And, 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 and oh, you know, I lost a kid for this miscarriage, so I really value the child's life and I'm a parent I'm not a parent you know there's all these different things that, that build upon it uh, you know oh I've done a lot of scientific research I understand how abortion statistics work and you don't like there's a lot of different things that build that mountain and so by the time you reach this conversation you're at completely different fucking altitudes and so it's very difficult to sit and have an actual conversation with somebody um, and ad- without addressing all those issues most people don't exist in that mindset most people want to have a five-minute Twitter argument where they get their points across about how they think women's rights should work or how they think men's rights should work. And so as a result, you see a lot of this like disenfranchising where instead of, you ha- instead of having good dialogues, you're going to have bad ones where you're just arguing the same points and not listening to each other's points and not learning or progressing your argument at all. I really don't think we should have arguments on the internet. I don't think it should be legal only because you can't talk on the internet. I can't actually talk with you. I have to write it all out. And I know personally that it's a lot harder for me to write out my thoughts than to speak my thoughts. When I write out my notes for these episodes, they're less than a page. But I talk for 30, 40 minutes. It's a lot easier to get in depth with your points when you're talking than when you're writing them. Because you can, I don't know, personally, maybe I'm crazy, but personally, that's how I feel about that. So as a result, it's hard. I can't have an argument on Twitter. You know, me, the, the, the woman that's coming in, Rebecca, uh, we, we had a conversation a while back about um, welfare and food stamps and stuff. And I had tweeted that I, and, and I apologize if I offend anybody, please feel free to comment on this. Because I'm interested in your opinions. And, and, <laughs> but I, I said if someone can afford food stamps, if someone can afford drugs, they shouldn't be on food stamps. Because if you can afford to pay for drugs, you can afford to pay for food. Now, that's not my full opinion on the topic. That was just a short little tweet I, I wrote. Uh, and, and Rebecca was really like not having it. She's like, we need to talk about this when you come back to school. Because like we, we went back and forth a little bit. But just because, like, okay, she disagrees a lot, right? But we can't have that conversation on Twitter. You know how much goes into that tweet? That fucking tweet I quote, tweeted? Twitter. Twitter. You know, there's a lot going into that. Okay, what... 
you know, buying drugs. How does addiction work? What are your opinions on addiction? What are your opinions on poverty? Do you understand how welfare works and food stamps work? Do you understand? Have you, do you know people like that? There's a lot of stuff that builds into that. And we both have just different opinions. Not right or wrong. They just come from different backgrounds and different building blocks that created. She's a sociology major. Um, you know, like there's just, there's just differences. So we're going to have a difference in opinion. But the problem is if we got into that fight on Twitter, we can't talk about all that. There's no way to talk about all that. It's like I'm writing a Twitter book. So as a result, you only have, I don't know, 140, 280, however many characters you have. Ah, a little yawn there. To get your point across. So you only do it so much. You can only explain so much. And, and so what happens is it's almost like these two people. A lot of times when I see these arguments on the internet, if you separate the two authors, right? You have a, If you have a Twitter thing that goes 20 messages, you know, person A, person B, person A, person B. Do, all a person A's messages, all a person B's messages, separated them. You can barely tell it's a conversation. That's the way to know if you're having a good discussion. If you separate the tweets from this person and that person, if you can read all their tweets and they make sense on their own, or if they make sense within that little string of tweets, that means that they're not having a conversation. If the tweets reflect the other person's saying, that means you're having a good conversation. And the same thing goes in real life conversations. If your comments you're making and the points you're making are points that you've already had in your head for a long time, points that if written out would make sense on their own or as a string, you're not having a good conversation. You're having a conversation where you're just pushing your opinions and your agenda, which is sometimes good, sometimes bad. It's up to you. Some people feel very righteous, especially left-leaning people my age. At this age group, if you are a radical progressive, not even right, if you're a progressive, it's, being a progressive is tough. Because you want the best, it's, you have the best intentions in mind, but a lot of them aren't feasible, or, or, they're, or they're hard to do. Um, so if you are, so a lot of people progressive at my age, you know, we're young, strong hearts. It's really easy to say, I just want to be right. Like I think that my pain is correct. I think that we should let as many immigrants in as possible. Fuck Trump. Fuck the wall. Um, and you might be right, but it's like you're bleeding hard about it because you because you are right ethically. Ethically, yes. Ethically, it's good to let disenfranchised people into this country. The problem is there's other aspects that you might not be thinking about. As a 20-year-old, you might not have a grasp on finances or the economic situation. Now, you might, and if you do, then it makes your point hopefully more well-rounded and you can agree that there are some drawbacks or whatever. But if, if you... Don't, you might say, oh, I understand this socially, but you might not understand economically or fiscally because you don't understand that stuff. And if you do, hopefully your opinion's well-rounded. Um, and I find that in this valley of conversation, it's really easy to lose your opinions. If you've ever found yourself in an argument where you end the argument talking about something completely different when you started the argument, you know that you've derailed. But that's not a bad thing because it also means that you're covering a lot of different topics that build up into this one topic. Now, the question you have to ask yourself is, is having conversations like these actually worth it? It's only worth it if the two people are in the conversation to learn, in my opinion. Um, I've had a lot of arguments where I'm saying my thoughts, they're saying their thoughts, and I leave the argument more sure that I'm right, which isn't good. You should leave every conversation less sure that you're right. and you Because in a good conversation where both people know what they're talking about, in some respect... Um, you should learn something, no matter what. Even if you think they have the opposite opinion of you and, and you don't necessarily agree with it at all, you should learn 
at least either your your opinion will change because they've convinced you of something or you'll be more confident in your opinion because you've heard and actually understood a different point of view and if you can hear and understand a different point of view and still bounce back and say I still think I'm right that's a really good thing that's a really good thing in my opinion so I think the important topic here to discuss well firstly another part is facts everyone comes with facts to an argument or a lot of people do uh, if you ask some people that I've talked to, maybe they don't come up with facts. I try to come with some facts. The issue with facts is that people think their facts are universal. Um, I have a fact that proves that this should happen, so that means that I have to be right. The problem is facts can contradict each other. There are some facts that can't. If you look into scientific or mathematical facts and theories and laws and stuff like that, okay, fine. You can't really have a contradiction there. If gravity exists, it exists. That's why the flat earth thing isn't as much of a conversation. Because there's legitimate science to say that that's fucking stupid. If you look into something that's more gray, say abortion. People might say, I don't think abortion's that necessary. Because if you look at the statistics, a lot of them stem from the fact that people aren't correctly using birth control. Someone else might say, well there's still 15, 20% of abortions, something that are important, that are necessary. They come from people that are like rape victims. They come from people that have had failed birth control. They come from blah, 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 blah. So you might say, okay, that's you using the same statistic, but you are interpreting it differently. You say, who fucking cares? Someone else says that's a big cause for concern. So not, not to ramble, but we have these issues that are kind of consistent, right? We have a lot of these moral quandaries that are hard for us to, to talk about. And so I'm going to get into maybe historically why that's an issue. Um, it seems like it's harder to talk, doesn't it? Like in the last five to 10 years, it, 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 throughout my lifetime, it has slowly become harder to talk. And, and I'm sure it's always been difficult. But I think that back, say, the 60s, you had, A, less sources of information, right? You could get your local paper. There were probably three different news stations or four different news stations, and that's where all the information came from. And plus, the idea journalistically back then is to try to have some straight news. There's definitely yellow journalism, but like generally have the straight facts or some of them or whatever. But if everyone's reading the same couple newspapers and they're reading the same couple, you know, seeing the same couple TV stations, you have the same base, you have the same factual base. So we're going to come to arguments with the same amount of information, the same facts, because we are getting them all. There's no internet, nothing else, so your facts are going to be the same. At the very least, when it comes to facts, when it comes to a lot of your opinions on stuff that's bigger than you can think of on your own, political stuff, whatever, you have the same bag of tricks. So that really definitely was part of it. Additionally, since there was no internet, if you wanted to say, if you wanted to have an opinion, you had to really care. If you really cared about women's rights, you had to go protest in the street about it. You had to go talk to somebody about it. You had to go join a thing. You had to, you had to go do something. And so that stems 90% of the people. It stems out the people maybe that are less willing to do the research because they don't feel as much passion about it. They stem out the, the laymen and women that, that don't really care but just have an opinion. You're not going to have an opinion because having an opinion takes a lot of effort. So the only thing you're going to have an opinion about is stuff that you really care about. So that's part of it. On the other hand as well, you have um, 
less of an outlet. Like we, 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 I was just saying how you have, you have, you have to be, you have to care more. But on the other hand, today's day and age, you, you have that outlet. You have the internet. Anyone that has an opinion can have that opinion. So even if I have read three headlines versus I've written four thesis papers, we both have the opportunity to speak. We both have the opportunity to be heard the same. You know, I can converse with. I mean, the, the problem is that once you get into the argument, it might, might be found out that you don't know what you're talking about. But you have that ability. Everyone has an opinion nowadays. And so you have people coming to the table with a different set of facts. You have more people having passion for stuff. And on top of it, since we have these internet forums and forays, there's a lot more hive-minding going on. Um, back in the day, you had that, right? If you were in some 1960s, you were a white dude in some city um, where there was a lot of racial tension. You and a lot of the other people in that city might have a different opinion on black people than someone who grew up without any black people in the area or someone who grew up around a lot of black people and had positive relationships with them. Um, and so you have that difference of perspective back then. You have that pockets back then. But it went as far as that. It went as far as the people you're surrounded by. Nowadays... If you have an opinion, you can be justified by people across the world. You can be justified by hundreds of thousands of people. If you join a Reddit community that's about X, Y, or Z, you can surround yourself with that information. Facebook group, Facebook in general, if you look at their, you know, how they organize their stuff, same Twitter, it's really easy to fall into your traps of, oh, this is just, everyone here is a liberal that thinks my way. Everyone here is a conservative that thinks you're my way. That's really dangerous. It's really dangerous. And that's why I put it out there for people more to not adhere to, uh, some of those groups and shit. That's why I don't look at social media that much. Because it doesn't do a lot for me. Either it's backing up my opinions or it's showing pictures of shit I don't care about. Um, but a lot of people have that kind of issue. I, I, I see that issue a lot. Um, and, and so I think that throughout history it's changed a bit here. In modern day, it's a lot harder for people to have these conversations because you're coming with different factual bases. You're coming with more bias that you've been told is correct to. Um, you've, you've read tweets that you're like, that must be accurate. When you, if you actually look at it, it's not. You've, you've looked at articles on journalistic websites that are very slanted, that give you the wrong information. There's a lot more of that stuff nowadays. So it's a lot harder to have those conversations in earnest where you can sit and have a similar idea set. And I also think people don't care as well. So, like I said earlier, uh, this episode's going to be a little different. Um... So, uh, this is kind of where I'm finishing off for today on this subject in this episode. If you'd like to hear more about um, conversations and the valley between people and as, as well as uh, some tangents about social issues, uh, there's going to be a separate podcast that I'm posting that's going to be a conversation between me and Rebecca, um, and it's going to be... Um, it's going to be interesting, so if you want to hear more, you can kind of tune in there and see that. If you don't, I kind of kept them separate, just so if people don't actually care about that part, they don't have to listen to it. Um, so this is kind of part one. Part two is going to be above it, I guess, uh, on, on the listening platform. So uh, just tune in there if you'd like to hear more, and you'd like to actually hear me converse with a human being as opposed to just talk to this microphone. If not, I'd like to say thank you for the support. Thank you for listening. As always, uh, come to me with comments, questions, concerns, all that good stuff. You can find me at JD underscore Sherburn on Instagram. That is JD underscore S-H-E-R-B-U-R-N-E. 
Um, as always, leave a review, like it, follow it, tell your friends, all that good stuff. Uh, thank you, guys. Have a nice one.